In the Norwegian countryside, a folktale awakens. Seeing is believing when you pay the troll toll in Troll. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. To get in this boy's soul, you gotta pay the toll troll to get in. Toll troll, what you say? Toll troll, hey, 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 toll troll. I'm glad we finally got you singing on the podcast, Alex. We just got a copyright strike because it was just so exactly the same. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, as we stay alive, we're discussing Troll from this year, Alex. With me today is none other than uh, the toe of the Norwegian troll himself, Alex. Oh, joined by the sibling left under the rubble for some reason, Eric. The, w- the troll sibling under the rubble. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's just what happens sometimes. I get left behind. They sure do. Just conveniently left behind for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's jump in, Alex. This is kind of a standalone episode for us here as we're transitioning into our next series we are transitioning into an ultraman series next uh ooh, ooh, to ooh. coincide with the shin ultraman release did you say ultraman in- next hmm? yes oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh we are going to watch be watching shin ultraman um and reviewing that here on the show we may do a special with it as well um but we'll watch a couple of more standalone Ultraman films in preparation for that. Um, we might have another standalone film. Just depends on our schedule, what it looks like uh, in preparation for that one. But I, I'm excited to to do some Ultraman here because we've covered a couple series on MVM Plus. But it'll be fun to cover cover a couple of movies on the main feed. Mm, yeah, and, and we we both really like Ultraman. I wouldn't. I would like to say we're Ultraman fans, but we haven't watched it in a while. I don't know about you, but I haven't watched it in a while. I think we're fans. I think we're fans. I don't think we are stands. Ah, I got you. I got you. (laughs) But yeah, we're definitely fans. I mean, we've watched multiple series. Uh, We're not completionists on it by any means. but uh, No, I I am, which is why I'll never finish it, because it's just too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Alex is. Alex is a completionist. Uh, I'm not. I I feel good with my Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra Seven, and Return of Ultraman, and Ultraman Z, and uh, a couple others actually. I've seen enough. <laughs> fair, fair. And, I, and I'll watch. I'll watch more too. Uh, I, I enjoy going back. Like honestly, more than watching a, a new series, Ultraman series at this point. I'm more interested to go back and and watch Ultra Q and Ultraman, um, just because I really enjoyed those, and I, I happened to get the Ultraman uh, Steelbook 
for my birthday this year, Alex. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I will, I'll probably go back and, and rewatch that uh, at some point because I really did enjoy Ultra Q and Ultraman they're quite both, a bit. They're both great. They're both great. Uh, but enough Ultraman. That's not what we're talking about this week. We're talking about Troll. Troll to <laughs> uh, Let's go ahead and get into it, shall we? Let's do it. Roar Uthwag writes and directs the standalone Norwegian Netflix release, Troll. Like another film we've watched, Alex, Troll Hunter, Troll relies heavily on Scandinavian folklore and mythology as a basis to frame its movie. Unlike Troll Hunter, though, Troll takes itself more seriously. But does the film have the chops to take itself seriously? Or do you look at this film more perilously? It does take itself more seriously. Um, and I do think it is a bit of a mixed bag tonally. The movie is so serious, but yet it has so many callbacks to other monster movies, especially Jurassic Park. It feels like it wants to be tongue in cheek at times. And I don't know if that jives with the overall tone of the film. Mm. Um, and I will say this film at the end of the day, when I put all the pieces together and I, I get the vibe and some of the elements of it, this feels a lot like Godzilla 98. Hmm. Now this is a much improved version of that movie, <laughs> but there are times where it tries to hit these certain emotions in the film and it fails. And I, I'll get into that a little bit more later, but I will say overall, it is hitting a lot more points that is attempting, which mm-hmm. I give it pretty big marks for, especially, you know, a sympathetic monster. But yeah. I, I think it greatly exceeds G98. Plus, it's got a shorter runtime, so it's not trying to make me miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, one thing I actually admire about this film is that it isn't trying to be satire or parody or really ironic at all. It is such a straight edge monster movie that it does pull on on those films that you mentioned. Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park, yes, a lot. I see Shin Godzilla in this film. I see Godzilla 2014. And you just keep going, right? And you you see it's pulling on those tropes um, just as much as it's pulling on those individual films. It's really trying to be a giant monster movie. And we talked about, I've talked about some of those tropes before on the show, especially when we did our uh, like Toho Godzilla adjacent movies. Mm -hmm. Um, When we go back to like Rodan and Mothra, those standalone films, they're following some of the same tropes that we see um, here in this film. Um, This film is following those tropes, those predecessors. I get your comparison to Godzilla 98, except yeah, I, I do think this film is a lot better not that I think that's high praise. <laughs> the effects are better. The acting is better. The characters are much more likable. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this. you know, Godzilla 98 tries to build empathy for that monster. Um, but I think this film actually succeeds in building that empathy. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think all the emotional moments hit between the characters. But I do feel a little something more for the monster and Nora's attempt at the end to get the monster to return to the mountains. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of your points here, especially the monster. But one of the human moments that really actually succeeded was these references to the uh, adventures of Little and Big. Um, Those moments were like this this, um, 
father and daughter are kind of torn apart because she sees him as a conspiracy theorist type guy who's been sent to the loony bin and all that stuff. Uh, Their relationship really grows on you pretty quickly. And it's far more impactful than something like Godzilla 2014 with our main character, uh, with Brody and Brody Sr., where mm-hmm. we, we just don't get that established relationship between the two. So when he does die, it's kind of like, oh, you killed off the actor I was probably the most excited to see <laughs> um, and didn't give him anything to work with. But here we actually get that relationship. We get the death scene where he like holds him as he dies and all this stuff. Um, or she holds him as he dies. It, it, it feels earned. And I, I really appreciate them building that relationship. That being said, and while the film does succeed in generating sympathy for the troll, for sure, I mean, he, the, the creature feels like an out of place victim who just turns out wants to go home. Uh, but really, the problem comes to a head in the finale. You know, she comes up with this great plan, and they trap him with UV lights, and he's about to turn to stone, and then she lets him go, and she's like, "Go run away." And then the sunlight gets him anyway, and he turns to stone and crumbles right there. It's mm. it's kind of lame, but it's her reaction afterwards that prevent, presents more of a problem. There's not really a lot of sadness about it. Like She just had sadness, and then it's gone the moment he dies. And then she's riffing on what they can name the place where his corpse is currently laying. Um, she's <laughs> They're giving it all these names. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. The, the ending and how they kind of went about that. And, and, and that part does remind me of G98 in the worst way. Hmm. Yeah, I want to respond to that in a second. Uh, I, I, I don't think that the film works well with some of its com- comedic moments. That's one of them, right? At the end where Andreas is really kind of, kind of riffing. It doesn't work. Um, right. There are a couple other moments that don't work comedically and there could be some cultural dissonance here perhaps but i just don't think that the film's a sense of comedy it lightens the mood enough though on the other hand i'm kind of glad about that because i do think this film manages to keep itself pretty serious right again going back to that point there's there's not a lot of irony here it's not trying to be satirical now in addressing the finale in particular i partially agree with you she definitely has mixed reactions. But honestly, that seems kind of natural and maybe more human than what we've come to expect in some of these movies. Mm. Her sympathy was actually more spur of the moment, right? Like this was her whole plan. She came up with this whole thing. Um, but then at the end, when she realizes like, oh my gosh, this thing is, this thing is, has a conscience and is going to die. She reacts the way that she does. But then she still does defeat the monster and in doing so saved a whole lot of lives in the process. So it's kind of the exact reasonable reaction that lots of monster movies just are missing where a character has sympathy for the monster while also understanding the threat and the need to eliminate that threat, Mm. right? It's kind of like if you put Dr. Yamane and Sarazawa together into one character, (laughs) it would be their reaction. Now, whether that works for everybody, I'm not sure, but it seems like a pretty human reaction to me uh, whenever your plan succeeded 
especially when that empathy and sympathy was spur of the moment, I felt it was real. Like whenever she kind of is yelling at it in that moment, it's, it's a spur of the moment thing. I feel it mm-hmm. in that moment. But then there's also a sense of relief because they did just save lives. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, but, but that's how I viewed it. Mm, yeah. See, I, I, I felt like she was pretty sympathetic towards the troll for a good while beforehand. So I didn't feel like it was quite as spur of the moment. So maybe that's why I feel maybe a little different than you. Maybe I interpreted something different with her relationship towards the troll earlier on, but um, especially when she found out that it was actually her real father. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Your silence. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do have to say, like, I, I do think it's characterization of, of Nora Tidman is done really mm-hmm. well. While I do have a complaint with the finale, I do think her character feels fully fleshed out and that she feels like a proper protagonist. You know, she runs the gamut of emotions through this film. She's panicked. She's doubted at every turn. She makes the wrong decisions and gets people killed, but she continues to persist, which is key to making a good character. Mm -hmm. Give her some issues and they overcome them, (laughs) but not without fault. And I, I, I think she does a really great job and her relationship with her dad is a really excellent point in the film. Mm-hmm. Now there's another character, Andreas, who, who is a fun foil kind of for Tidman in, a, in some ways. I, I do like the character, but at times he does feel a little out of place. I, I get that he's supposed to be this comic relief due to his like aloofness, but he may be an extraneous character here. And then we get Captain, who is is an interesting character. You know, he feels a bit extraneous as well, but he does a lot of interesting things in the film. He's bending over backwards to help uh, Nora. He he's kind of keeping an open, a begrudgingly open mind about these things mm-hmm. because he sees that the solu- he's he's on the ground, right? He sees that the solutions that they keep offering are not going to work. And so I do think I like Captain and Andreas, but. When I think about this movie, I don't think about either one of those characters. I just think about Nora and her dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I actually think that's valid. Uh, I might disagree with you a little bit about Andreas, but we'll talk about okay. that in, in a bit. But overall, the characters are interesting, even if some are flat characters. Real quick, though, let's just gush about the effects yes. in this film. At least I... I'm going to gush about him. Please do. I think this film looks great. Like seriously great. Not in a, this is great for the budget that they have. I I think it looks really, really good. Seriously. Uh, In the day, in the night, wherever it's at, I just can't believe how good this looks. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was impressed by that. For me, I guess I would have liked to have seen two other things to make this film become more transcendent would be an amazing soundtrack and probably a little more originality in some of its plot points. I mean, when I say G98, I really do mean like this is G98 because I mean, I see, I see see Godzilla 14 more. I don't like, like you get the, uh, you get the, I'm doing a dig. The copter comes the, and lands. You get the, the. This is a this is a trope of giant monster movies. But standing in the middle is. of the footprint, 
Um, we're you, yeah, about. but you get the but, chase scene instead of a baby Godzilla. You get a skull on the back to lure them right, to a trap. Right. You get the awful, not really that emotional. Well, for her um, sequence at the end, <laughs> I feel like, uh-huh. um, and, and, and it, the list goes on. Now I did, I was disappointed, Eric. I will say one thing that, mm. you know, with all the Jurassic Park feels that there are in here, I was hoping the guy with the hat at the dig site was going to be a main character. I thought he was going to be our Alan Grant. <laughs> and no, we just left him behind. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, uh, Godzilla 14, you've got the loss of the mother figure, right? You've got the rekindling of the hero with the uh, father figure. That is a strained relationship. Mm-hmm. You have the death of the father figure, mm-hmm. which propels the main character onward in their quest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of similarities it here. It's got a lot of both. There, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff in both of those films in '98 and '14 um, that are resonant here, and Jurassic Park. So, and Shin Godzilla. That, I, I would still say too with some of the bureaucratic mm, um, nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> that I, I felt the is, same is way. Just present. Yeah, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, we're gonna go with Shin Godzilla with the bureaucracy, and it, it, it didn't quite lay it on as thick as I thought it was going to initially. No, but that's okay. That's okay. We, yeah, we, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't need to, right? Like, if you're going to go that route, you need to go that route. It didn't. It didn't go heavily into this bureaucratic mode. But th- you did have that boardroom scene where none of them were taking her seriously. So mm-hmm. uh, that was funny. Still <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, well, hey, MVM Plus today, Alex, we're going to talk about our top five films of 2022. I'm interested. We haven't recorded yet, but I am interested in what you're going to say. You said your list was a bit controversial. I said my list was a bit conventional. So um, it'll be curious what we come to uh, with these top fives. There's also some films that obviously we are missing that we'll we'll talk about um, on the show that maybe we'll revise our top five as we watch some of these films. But yeah, that'll be a fun discussion over at MVM Plus, which you can find that. You can become a bargain base my at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. Absolutely. All right, Alex, time for the awards. Compelling character award. Who do you have? Tobias Tidman. I want to know what all happened to send him to the asylum. We get that little hint. I guess it's not a hint, but it's kind of laid out pretty well for us for uh, why they sent him because he saw the actual grave and they felt Mm -hmm. like they had to cover it up to do that. Uh, it's a little weird, but I do like his character and I like his story with, uh, I was really sold and, I, and you'll probably see that in one of my other awards, but I was really sold on the tiny and big, uh, stuff mm. and references. I think it was while we do get that yeah. moment at the very beginning of the film, uh, I like the callbacks and references to it to just like, you know, a glory day. And, and yeah, it was good. It was good. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, so you said Andreas didn't work for you. That's fine. He was my compelling character. <laughs> that's though. okay. Uh, really, honestly, it was his first scene that he had with the prime minister oh. that just made me kind of like him um, because he's he's towing this line between the company man and the government man and the individual, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is what draws him so much to Nora because Nora is that other side that he wants to be more of, right? He wants to be this more independent thinker, uh, less bureaucratic. Uh, and, and so he's drawn to her. And obviously 
has a crush on her from the beginning <laughs> might feel a little bit uh, threatened by Captain at times. So you got the kind of oh, the yeah. interesting love triangle there. But yeah, I th- he, some of the comedic of relief parts of his character don't work as much. Um, but overall, his his essence in the movie, that's, that's why I think it's kind of important, is he does provide some levity and it's not a character that is taking herself as seriously Nora's great Nora's an awesome character um but Andreas does provide that levity mm, yeah he does he does he does I, I, I don't dislike him I just I don't know if he's necessary but that's that yeah he's fine no problem with him <laughs> me and Andreas we're good uh well I'll tell you my most memorable line award comes from Andreas and it's at the end where he's he says uh you're the craziest person I know, Nora Tittleman. Mm. <laughs> um, with and just talking about like using that quote. Um, what, what's the setup for that? Uh, it's kind of a famous line mm-hmm. when the world's gone crazy. Oh right, yeah, yeah. When the gone crazy, the only, uh, only the same person. It's kind of like that line from Alien. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of like the, the Alien inverted. Three, yeah, <laughs> or, or inverted a little bit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, that was, and she's like, "Thanks, <laughs> I guess." <laughs> uh, so I, I did like that. That was uh, a nice moment of levity in in the film. What about you? Uh, you know, I, I, I had like one of the callbacks to them just saying, "Oh, the adventures of Tiny and Big," but the, also one of the best lines was a line they ripped out of Jurassic Park. And I'm trying to remember what it was exactly, but it was I think it was Andreas saying it, and it was, I think they're in the helicopter, which is when they're saying the line I think that you're talking about too. But he says something like, uh, "He tries to do like a chaos theory type thing." with like oh, Malcolm yeah. and I, I think he actually misses the line just a little bit, but I, I, I did so, like that callback. Well, or, so here's the thing. So here's, here's the thing about, here's another thing I liked about this character is he, uh, like these are the comedic moments I actually did think worked. It was yes. like that moment. What he was talking about there was his own fiction that he's writing. Oh, yeah. I, I did like that by the way. I did right? like his story. And like, there would just be random moments where like he would enter every time he'd like enter into a scene, he'd be telling another character about his fiction that he was writing. And it was some crazy off the yeah, wall. Idea. The guy throws his head and it bites people. And then he can also yeah. do it with his fingers. Yeah. He yeah, yeah. His fingers up. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And that was really so, funny, especially like when he's like, <laughs> like they're waiting for the troll in the dark and he's like over there yeah. talking to Tobias Tidman about his story. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anybody that would lend him an ear he's he's gonna tell about it so um yeah can't believe the acting award who'd you have i had caroline victoria sledding gravon <laughs> okay uh and she played the the meek uh i guess computer scientist would be the best way to put it oh yeah, yeah um yeah. <laughs> at the uh that punches. Yes, that punches the. I can't even remember yeah. what his job was, but um, he was the bad. Yeah, guy. he's the the bad guy, the, the short term bad guy. government so, guy. See, Prime Minister was the good government lady overall. Right. Sigrid, but she had to have a henchman that was right. Bad. Sigrid Hodney, Hodney, but she. Yeah, I, I just liked her. She gets that punch in. She she looks the part. Like they really kind of sell her computer scientist nerdy self, and she's yeah. just like she's kind of wholesome. <laughs> Uh, in this movie, you're definitely rooting for her. So I think she does a good job as the character. 
Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Uh, mine is the woman who loses oh, her house. Yeah. Um, the reaction afterwards. Like, she's like legitimately crying in the scene. <laughs> and it was, I mean, she's just basically an extra in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, I, I was sold that she had lost her house, which is also. I didn't choose it for my, oh, that's a good shot, but I like that overhead shot of the house destroyed with the footprint next yeah, to it. That, yeah, right? that G98 and you shot. Can see, like, the path. That was really yeah. cool. Really cool. It's a good one. <laughs> what about your, oh, that's a good shot of one? Uh, I got mine. It's a shot that we've seen in other monster movies, but I got to say I did like it. The, the troll coming from the woods. Like, yeah. That was kind of like the troll hunter. Yes, but he's even bigger than the trolls and troll hunter, or, or, or yeah, sorry, sure. some of the trolls and troll hunter, uh, <clears throat> but he's bigger than the ones you see at that nighttime thing, because it really is a great illustration of his size. Those big trees, but I, I, when I saw that scene, I was like, I'm pretty sure they filmed that troll hunter scene right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, he, he's so big when he walks up on those gigantic pine trees. It's really cool, and it, and it leads to. A cool event that I'll get to on my unique awards. What about you, Eric? Uh, mine is that tr- is that shot at the I think it was the fair, right? Um, where there's a sh- the the boy is standing there in front of the troll statue, mm. and then the troll comes over yeah. the top of that troll statue. <laughs> uh, it was just a fun little moment there. Uh, so, so that was my, oh, that's a good shot. Yeah, and they were remarkably close with their little thing of the troll. Like for guessing, oh, yeah. or I guess allegedly guessing pretty accurate. Yep, <laughs> what sure. about your unique award? Eric? Um, so it's actually tied to that and it's my best giant monster trope award. And that goes to the panic at the, uh, fair, yeah. right? You have to have a moment of, of, chaos and panic and people running away in a giant monster movie like it just has to happen if it doesn't happen is it even a giant monster movie i don't know so we we have it here it's glorious i love my uh get me out of here panic moment in my giant monster movies Ooh. so this is this was a good one <laughs> yeah it's mandatory mandatory you're not a monster movie if yep. you don't have one <laughs> what about you? Uh, mine was the oh, that's a surprise award, and this goes to something you talked about earlier. The effects, uh-huh. I cannot believe how good these were, and, and, and yeah, I'm the stickler man. for effects, like uh, like yeah. even more so, uh, yeah, definitely more so than you, even. And oh yeah, definitely. And definitely. I was watching this really closely, being like, all right, where's the bad CG? I see the explosions yeah. going off of, uh, off of him in the dark, and they look real. You see the you just every single thing that happens with him. You're like, I can't believe how good this looks. Like, this is better than most Marvel movies the last couple of years. And that's <laughs> maybe it's low expectations that for well, Marvel, it's, like it's, low, it's low expectations. It it's good. filming on an actual set. And it, it's yeah. it, it's requiring oh, yeah. less of a visual effects artist as well because you're making one entity, really, instead of oh, an yeah. entire scene. 
Um, but sure. still, that doesn't change anything. We know we, 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 yeah, that doesn't really justify because <laughs> think about the budget. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. So this is so impressive. I, I, it, it blew my mind because I just kept waiting for it to look bad and it just kept looking better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was impressive. Well, that brings us to our final thoughts and rating, Alex. I, I'll go ahead okay. and start. Uh, I think this is a impressive giant monster movie. It surprised me a bit in just how good it was. Now, I don't think it's a transcendent giant monster movies because while it respects the the giant monster movies that come before it, it almost relies on those giant monster movies a little too much. If it would have done a few more interesting things with the plot, um, if it might have had a unique soundtrack, if it uh, might have had a few more comedic moments that landed or just a few of them removed that, that didn't quite work. There's just a couple moments overall. Um, and the controversial finale, uh, we could throw that in there as well. There are a couple moments overall uh, that, that keep it from maybe getting to that Godzilla yeah. tier for me um, and keeping it at that camera tier. But I think this is an upper level gamma tier film for me, one that I would recommend to any giant monster fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and really any film fan that just wants a taste of a giant monster movie and, and something a, a little bit different, you get the goods here. Yes. Right? You get the goods. And it's not in an ironic, like, uh, funny sort of. Right. <laughs> yeah, like it's this is kind of fun to watch, but it's not really good. It's not well yeah. made. It's just a lot of fun. Right. Right. No, I think this movie is well made and fun. Um, so yeah, it's it's a gamma tier, upper gamma tier. I recommend it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty close with you there, Eric. I, I'm definitely a gamma tier. Um, but really, the biggest success for this, other than other than making a great protagonist, is while I'm not, I don't buy Nora. Maybe I'm a little mixed on her ending with her emotions and where she is. Mm-hmm. It did make me care about the monster. And that's mm-hmm. very important. It's something that Rodan and Godzilla and some of the best monster movies have made us do. Uh, and it's yeah. not an easy thing when this thing is like, can go around killing people. Now it does make it a bit easier, kind of like in a King Kong like fashion where he saves a kid. He does the right things to ma- earn our sympathy. Um, but I will say, even before he saves the kid, I still felt something for him. Uh, mostly mm. because of Nora's analysis of his position. Like, you know, kind of a, a man out of time. A giant troll out of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, overall, the film really works for me. It's definitely a camera tier, like you said. It almost takes from too many movies. And maybe, at times, doesn't establish just enough of its own identity to be that Godzilla tier. But yeah. this is definitely one I would recommend to anyone who will read subtitles, <laughs> but also just wants a movie to watch on a Saturday night. Uh, I would definitely recommend this one to people for people to watch. For sure. For sure. Uh, well, next week, Alex, we will probably be starting our Ultraman series. If we don't do another standalone, have to look at how the schedule will play out. Um, but I am excited for that series. As always, though, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback at mvmpod.com or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com and we'll read your feedback probably on the show. You can follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram 
at MVM underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, Christopher Clavero, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Combo Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, as always, for listening. Until next time, don't forget to keep an eye on the sun so you don't let your newly released monster turn to stone. <laughs> and try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Don't troll. Hey, hey, hey. Don't troll. I'm glad we finally got you singing on the podcast, Alex. We just got a copyright strike. So it was just so exactly the same.